Good morning again. Good morning again. What a wonderful, wonderful day. What a wonderful occasion to be together. It's so funny, last night as I was settling in, getting ready for bed, um, a friend of mine who's also a pastor, also a a female pastor, uh, she shot me a quick little text and she said, whose idea was it that we have to preach on Easter? Can't we just sing? Like, seriously, he's not in the tomb. Is that not enough? You know. But the tradition is such. I, I, could, I could relate to what she was saying because as I prepared for this message, as I thought about today, what I wanted to say, what I needed to say, I had so many thoughts swirling around in my head about where, what else is there to say? What is fresh to say about this amazing, wondrous occasion? What is fresh to say? It's a little bit intimidating, honestly. Um, but as I kind of mulled that over, I, I was reminded of something that happened a long time ago. And it kind of, as I thought about that, it kind of helped me wrap my mind around how I wanted to start today. So a long time ago, it was uh, 2004, I believe, there was a movie that was released called The Passion of the Christ. And many of you will be aware of that movie. Um, if you're not, it, it was a very intense, super intense depiction of just the last 12 hours of the life of Jesus. Um, very graphic, super graphic, really brutal. Um, it was really, honestly, it was hard to watch, difficult to watch. Now, I was a person who grew up in church, and I spent the first 12, 13-ish kind of years of my life as a Catholic. And so the depiction of the crucifix, you know, the cross with Jesus' body on it, and, you know, some were more bloody than others, you know, that was something that was fairly common for me to see. Some churches that we attended had, like, you, it's called the Stations of the Cross, and it might be sculptures or paintings or something, and just little snapshots of some of those moments in the life of Jesus. And so, you know, that was, that was commonplace. It wasn't that the imagery of of the, the last 12 years or 12 hours of Jesus' life was, was unknown to me. But the movie was really powerful and it was really impactful because it took this thing that like previously had been a snapshot, like one moment in time frozen, and it turned it into this real life uh, video depiction that was you know complete with the very best special effects that Hollywood had to offer at the time. So for me, the medium was impactful because it was new. But the story, the story of Jesus' death, you know, that was something that I knew like the back of my hand. Now, at the time, a lot of people that I knew, they, uh, they really saw this movie as a great evangelistic tool. And whether or not that's accurate, that's like a whole nother sermon, but... Uh, In any case, there were people that I knew that were encouraging people to come and see this movie with them, encouraging them to go and watch it for themselves. And one individual in particular who was a friend of a friend, it wasn't somebody that I knew personally, but I knew knew the friend that was, you know, trying to manipulate, let's be honest, them into going to see this movie. Um, This person had not grown up in church. They had no framework for faith, just no experience with Christianity or religion really at all. Uh, But the guy ended up taking the recommendation to go and see the Passion of the Christ. And he went by himself. And I remember my friend telling me about the follow-up conversation they had after he had seen the film. 
And no joke, this was his response. It's okay, it's okay to laugh. This is going to be funny. He said, he told my friend, hey, that movie was bull crap. The guy died at the end. The guy died at the end. But what else would you say if you didn't know the story? If you didn't know the story and you didn't know why it mattered, what else would you say? But I don't want that to be us today. I don't want that to be us. So today as we celebrate Easter, I'm going to do a little bit of both. I'm going to revisit, retell the story of Jesus' death and his resurrection because it is central to our faith. Really, I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? It's, it's actually, it's kind of okay to have like a spirituality and believe in God. But when you talk about, you know, dead things coming to life, then, you know, that's where people start to think you're crazy. So central to our faith. And furthermore, I really want to talk about why it matters. Why does it matter that this happened? What difference does it make? What implications does it have for our own lives, for those of us sitting in this room? What broader application does the principle of resurrection have as we considered the truth that all things rise. If you've been here over the last several weeks, you know that we've been in a sermon series called All Things Rise. And it's based on a vineyard worship song that we love by that name. And each week we've zeroed in on a particular segment of the lyrics to kind of unpack and reflect on as we have prepared our hearts for today, for Easter. Today is Easter Sunday, which is the day that we especially celebrate. We should celebrate every day of our lives, but today we especially celebrate on the church calendar the fact that Jesus had been crucified, died, and was buried, as it says in the Apostles' Creed. And today, on this day, on the third day, he rose again. And so from the song, All Things Rise, here are today's lyrics that we're going to focus on. God will sing how through your son you turned this loss and hurt into glory. How when scorned in death you raised him up and his gains became the whole world's story. This loss and hurt refers to the fact that through Adam and Eve's rejection of God in the garden... The force of sin was unleashed on the universe. When we talk about sin, we don't, we don't primarily mean behavior. We mean a force that was unleashed on the, earth, on the universe through that moment. And Jesus' death on the cross was the permanent mechanism by which humanity could be freed from the tyranny and the oppression of that force of sin. So Good Friday, when we commemorate the death of Jesus, Good Friday is God's answer to the fall of man. But today isn't Friday. Today is Sunday. So let's talk about what happened on that first Easter morning. Luke chapter 24 tells us this. We're going to start in verse 1. Words are on the screen behind me. Feel free to pull out your phone. Use your device if you want to. We have Wi-Fi. There's also paper Bibles and the windowsill if you would like. Luke 24 verse 1. On the first day of the week... Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly 
Two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, because what else would you feel in that moment? In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Now Matthew and Mark have very similar accounts. In John chapter 20, there's some extra detail about what Peter and John saw after the women had gone to get them. So John chapter 20, starting in verse 3. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Now John's writing this book, so it's just kind of a little funny aside. John is the other disciple. He's referring to himself. And it's kind of funny because verse 4 says, Both were running... Peter and the other disciple, who's John, they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. He won the race, always competitive. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. Isn't that just like Peter? He was one of the more... Um, impulsive of the disciples. He was a leap first and figure it out later kind of guy. So at least John has the, has the um, respect to let everybody know that Peter's the one that just went barreling into the tomb to see what was up. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, he's got to throw that in there one more time, he also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. I love that little aside in verse 9, don't you? That little parentheses. They still did not understand. I am so thankful So very, very thankful of all the ways that scripture humanizes the characters of the story. The disciples spent a lot of time confused and missing the point. A lot of time, and that gives me hope. That gives me a lot of hope because after all these years, there's still so much that I don't understand. So many ways in which I fall short, but I am in good company The disciples were just as freaked out by Easter morning as they had been watching Jesus die. But over the next hours, the next days, the next years, the significance of the resurrection became increasingly clear to those early companions of Jesus and the members of of the early church. And thankfully, we have the writings of some of those in the early church that can help us unravel what the significance of the resurrection might be to those of us that are sitting here today in this room. First, what I think we need to understand and acknowledge about the resurrection of Jesus is this. It's, it's a similar concept as to, to how we view um, his death. But with Jesus' resurrection, if, if Satan, the enemy of our souls, if he cannot 
get us to believe that it didn't happen, like if we aren't like all, all outright skeptical of the whole thing and say, no, nah, that never happened. If he can't get us to believe it didn't happen, what he'll get us to believe is that it is very distant from us, very distant from our everyday lives. So what do I mean by that? Let me, let me explain that just a little bit. It is absolutely true absolutely 100% true that the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus has a significance on the cosmic scale. Like we are talking about something that changed the whole framework for the way the whole universe and how all of humanity is postured toward the God of that universe. If Good Friday was tied back to the fall, then Easter is tied back to the perfection of the Garden of Eden and it is tied forward to the promise of the kingdom that is to come. That's the cosmic scheme of things. And if you believe that, I commend you. I commend you because there are, there are so many people in the world today for whom this story is just too unbelievable to entertain the thought that it might have been something that really happened. And I find that heartbreaking. But I think it is equally as heartbreaking when we as followers of Jesus fail to grasp the truth that the resurrection has implications right now today for us as individuals in all of the big and small moments of our everyday lives. What we would do well to learn is that Jesus' resurrection, in the words of Richard Rohr, is not simply transactional. That is, it is not simply a fulfillment of some cosmic requirement that is far away from us, but the resurrection is transformational. Transformational. It changes everything. Look at Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3. Don't you know, Paul says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, just as it happened to Jesus, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly, that is a very strong word there, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. A resurrection like his. A bit later in Romans 8, Paul says, in verse 11, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. The same spirit 
The same spirit, the Holy Spirit, that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that makes his home in you and I when we choose to follow Jesus. The same spirit. That's what the song is saying. Jesus turned the loss and the hurt of sin and death into glory as he was resurrected. He made a way. He made the ability for us to practice resurrection. The ability to practice resurrection is a part of the story for all of us as his followers. All of us. You and I are called to practice resurrection. Followers of Jesus, hear me. Hear me this morning. The power that calls dead things to life lives in you. Lives in you. Oh, that we would walk through this life as though that were true. Practicing resurrection. What does that look like? What does that look like? I want to read you guys a quick excerpt from a blog that I read over the weekend. Uh, it's written by Rend Collective. Is They're a musical group, but they're something of like a missional community. They're people that do life uh, and Christianity together. They're from Ireland. So it's not, it's not really a band, but they, they do have worship music, and I really, I really appreciate them. Very fond of their work, but a blog that I read over the weekend, just a, a segment of it, that I thought was so good. Romans boldly proclaims that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is burning inside us. Begging for resurrection, not to be about the afterlife, but to be our way of life. Wendell Berry, one of my favorite poets, yes, I may just be the last person alive who reads poetry for fun, puts it like this. Practice resurrection. You may be saying to yourself right now that this seems like a really uplifting thought for a poem, but how do I actually do that in real life? Every time you take something broken and lifeless and revive it, you are practicing resurrection. Something as simple and as ordinary as recycling your cardboard. Coming alongside a couple whose marriage is on life support and speaking words of hope. Sharing Jesus with a friend who doesn't understand why even though everything is fine on the surface, she just doesn't feel alive. We live out the message of resurrection. That dead things don't have to stay that way. 
and that even the bleakest of circumstances imaginable can be restored. Every time, every time you take something lifeless and broken and revive it, you are practicing resurrection. Is there anything lifeless in your world? Anything broken? A relationship that's died? A dream that's been buried? A hope for a better tomorrow that has been sealed up just as tightly as that tomb was sealed up by that giant heavy stone all those years ago? Has despair become your default? If so, Easter is calling you to get back up. You have lain there on the ground, in the grave, for far too long. Get up. Come forth. Try again. Because we serve a God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. And likewise, when we turn our attention outside of ourselves and we practice resurrection toward those around us, who do you know? Who do you know that could use a little life breathed into their situation? Life spoken into their discouragement or life sown into, in practical ways into the paralysis, trapping them in whatever crypt their heart feels locked up in. How will you let resurrection power flow through your heart to theirs? How will you call them to life? How will you show them the way? It doesn't have to be grand or complicated. A kind word. A smile. An invitation to dinner. An apology. A ride to a meeting. A casserole after a surgery, an extension of forgiveness, a few dollars, a quick text, a compliment, another chance. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Small things are underestimated, but they are powerful. 
So my charge to you this Easter morning is to live. Live. Go and live. Go and call others to life. Go and call this broken world to life. You carry the resurrection of Jesus inside your mortal body. Walk as though that were true. May it be said of all of us and all of those that we have influence over. Why do you look for the living among the dead? They are not here. They have risen. Because all things rise.